Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Hi, I'm Alcina Lloyd, and welcome to Housing Wire Daily. Today, we continue our rundown series featuring Logan Motoshami. During the interview, Housing Wire editor-in-chief Sir Wheeler joins Motoshami to discuss his 2022 forecast. The pair also discuss what has surprised Motoshami the most as he looks back at 2021 data. But before you listen, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Regora is an appraisal management software company dedicated to modernizing residential appraisal and valuation. With configurable automations and embedded LOS and POS integrations, Regora brings speed, transparency, and control to the appraisal process. Lenders across the country are seeing impressive efficiency gains and cost reductions with Regora's platform, including a 213% increase in appraisal capacity, a 35% reduction in turn times, and saving 20 minutes per loan file. Learn more at regora.com. That's R-E-G-G-O-R-A dot com. Welcome, everyone. We've got a really special edition of the Rundown Podcast, which is part of our Housing Wire Daily Podcast, here with Logan Motoshami and his much-anticipated 2022 housing forecast. Logan, welcome. It is great to be here. Great to have you. We know that people have been asking you for a couple of weeks. Our listeners are very interested in your forecast for the next year. And, and boy, we have had a lot of economic news. So um, it's already published on housingwire.com. So people can go look at it there. In fact, I made it really easy. I titled it uh, Logan Motoshami 2022 Housing Forecast. So there you go. They can, they can go and find it really easy. Um, but let's dive in because it was I know it started out being really long. You cut it down. We edited it together. So uh, it covers a whole spectrum of things. The foundation for your forecast is your work on the 10-year yield. So let's talk about that first. Yes. Like uh, for everything I do, everything has to have economic models. And the 10-year yield has been such a big uh, focus of mine over the years. And uh, again, mortgage rate targeting, uh, I've never believed to be a more uh, efficient way of talking about economic cycles. So uh, naturally, what I wanted to do is explain to people that we can have mortgage rates under 3% next year, uh, and it would look perfectly normal. I think the confusion has been that because inflation, the rate of growth of inflation is hot, uh, the economic data is hot, uh, the Federal Reserve is talking about tapering, Rate, Fed rate hikes, naturally, everyone has assumed that this means mortgage rates uh, have to go higher. If you follow technical basis work on the 10-year yield, that's how I get these forecasts uh, going along with where mortgage rates should be. So mortgage rates can be under 3%. And I just want to add right here, because this is something we've talked about on Housing Wire all year. Uh, tapering does not mean mortgage rates and bond yields have to go higher. Uh, in fact, every single time this has occurred in the previous expansion, uh, whenever QE1 or 2 or QE3 ended, bond yields and mortgage rates have gone down. And even just after the recent uh, Federal Reserve meetings, the 10-year yield is down again, right? In that range of 1.33 to 1.60 on the 10-year yield that we talked about all the way back to April 7th, it's holding. And it looks perfectly right. Uh, so don't fall, or I'm not saying don't fall, but don't 
put all your eggs in the basket that mortgage rates have to go higher. This is why in the summer of 2020, I talked about that 1.94 level on the 10-year yield is that is going to be a tough one to crack. And we're almost done with 2021, best growth, hottest inflationary data, Fed rate hikes, tapering, the 10-year yield is below 140 today. So let's talk about your uh, mortgage rate range on the on the high end and the low end. You've talked about the fact that they could even get into the two. So so tell us what your ranges are. Yeah. So if I'm sticking to my 10-year yield forecast, which I've always done uh, uh, in previous expansion, 0.62% on the bottom end, 1.94%. It's the same thing, 2, 2.375, 2.5% on the low end range. And then uh, the upper end range would be 3.375 and uh, to 3.625. So that range, uh, where we are right now, currently at below uh, kind of one four, we're kind of in the three percent area. So we're kind of in the middle of it. Uh, so there's a lot of factors which can actually send bond yields lower uh, next year. Uh, and, and if that happens, we're going to have mortgages, mortgage rates under three percent, and we're going into the spring season uh, uh, with inventory near all-time lows, and again, mortgage rates this low again. So I think that's the main thing I want to talk about in terms of the 10-year yield. Until that level cracks, we don't talk about a 4% mortgage, right? Uh, And it's in 2019 and 2020 and 2021, that's a hard one to break. And even this year, with all the talk about growth and inflation in the Fed, 10-year yield is exactly where it should be. So kind of think about mortgage rates in ranges not targeting a nominal mortgage rate level. And this gives you some perspectives. Uh, And in the article, I've kind of showcased what I did in the previous expansion. And you can see that that held in check and expect the same. uh, And we we go over all the different variables on why it would be difficult for mortgage rates to go over 4% or even the factors on how do you even get mortgage rates over 4% in this uh, environment. Yeah, no, it was was a great deep dive. And uh... I recommend it highly. It was very informative. And this is a different take than than many economists. I mean, we've heard that 4% mortgage range from a lot of people. Um, and I think it's just because it feels intuitive. Like, you know, of course they have to go higher. Of course we've got inflation. Four decades of targeting nominal higher mortgage rates uh, without the perspective of a 10-year yield has been uh, an ineffective way for people to talk about housing and mortgage rates. That's that's basically how I say it. And this is just a pure technical basis call on a four-decade trend that's been there and evident. And I think it's easier for people just to say rates have to go higher because they've been doing it for many years. I think for me, the difficulty is in 2018, when everyone thought mortgage rates are trying to convince people that technical matters on the bond, years, bond yield forecasting and we're having it again, right? We're here, we're witnessing. This was supposed to be the year of mortgage rates skyrocketing. This is it. We're not going to get hotter economic growth or even hotter rate of growth of inflation just because we're working from a higher base. And look what the 10-year yield did. Did exactly what it should do because the technical people have been winning this battle for four decades. You kind of want to jump on that train, uh, not the other one. Well, let's talk a little bit, you know, considering that where mortgage rates are right now, right? We're, uh, it's December 20th, um, where we are right now and, and where you see them going in 2022, then that has a, an effect on existing home sales, which is another part of your forecast. My, my concern is for, for rates and uh, it, it, is that 
in the previous expansion, when mortgage rates got really above four and a half percent, housing cooled down, right? Demand cooled down. Uh, it, it never created a housing crash, but sales rate of growth uh, gets hit. Uh, and the problem is that inventory levels are at all-time lows. This is different than what we saw from 2008 to 2019. So my work is always separated in two. So years 2020 to 2024, the key is, you know, if, if economics is demographics and productivity, housing economics is demographics and mortgage rates. So the demographics are there, right? All this talk about population growth falling for many years. Guess what? More Americans are buying homes in 2020 to 2021 than any period uh, from 2008 to 2019. That looks normal. So if mortgage rates stay low, the demographic demand for me is what I term replacement buyers. I'm not a housing sales boom or a credit boom person. In fact, my sales ranges might not even have uh, any growth in sales, but it's at a very high level compared to the uh, previous expansion. This is why uh, I've always talked about if total home sales, new and existing homes are above 6.2 million, I look at that as a beat because I'm not a credit boom person, right? But the replacement buyers for 2022, because I originally thought years 2022 to 2023 were gonna be the sweet spot years ever in history. So the demographics are there, rates are low, so demand should be stable. So existing home sales ranges are a little bit a, a little bit under than what I talked about in this year, that 5.84 million and 6.2 million were, were, were a little bit underneath there, but that keeps demand stable and above pre-cycle high. So expect that because the demographics are there, right? And unless the 10-year yield gets above 1.94%, rates are just simply low to to hit the marginal home buyer. And that's what we saw in 2013 and 14. That's what we saw in 2018 and 19. Uh, a higher mortgage rates with duration, and the key is duration. We're not talking about a one spike and just coming right back down. The rate of growth of home sales cools, especially in the new home sales market. But again, we're talking about four and a half to 5% mortgage rates. We're still at three. So demand should be stable again. Uh, and that 6.2 million level between uh, new and existing homes should be should stick once again because demographics and mortgage rates are at the uh, best levels we've ever seen. So we've got the demand, of course, that the problem is the supply, right? So why don't you talk a little bit about new home sales, housing starts, inventory, all of that? Yeah, this is, again, for me, this is the odd, the odd thing for me is that the one thing that I'm worried about always has been an escalation in prices, right? When uh, And it all revolves around to that 2014 discussion that total inventory has been falling since 2014. Purchase applications have been rising since 2014. Don't make it any more complicated than that, right? Uh, the theory of escalating inventory when demand is stable is borderline on being insane right now at this point. So inventories are most likely either going to be at all-time lows, fresh all-time lows, or near all-time lows, and demand is stable. So the, you're not going to get any help from housing starts, right? And, and new home sales, the one thing about housing that doesn't really get talked about, when it gets hot, people get greedy. So the builders are doing exactly what they should do. They're padding their profit margins unbelievable. They're doing great. I mean, look, just look at the builder stocks. They're doing wonderful because they have pricing power, right? Their, their natural inventory levels are low just because their competition, the existing home sales market, something that did not happen from 2008 to 2019, are at all-time lows. So their product has pricing power, which boosts the median sales price much higher. Uh, so the concern is, again, if rates can go higher, this sector gets hit. But with rates this low, housing starts have legs as long as the six month, uh, 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 the monthly supply is six and a half months and below on the three-month average. 
it was that the entire year, basically, in 2021. So we had a spike in inventory and the monthly supply inventory, but it never broke that. And what are we doing? We're ending 2021 on a very solid note. Builder confidence, uh, housing starts, purchase application, mortgage demand, right? Everybody's all talking about iBuyers. They're less than 1% of the market, right? Mortgage demand is what drives this. When that fades, so does housing. There's no Wall Street moat uh, that you know. all of a sudden a few, a few Wall Street firms who don't even buy that many homes are going to come in and swoop, swoop everything up. No, it's always based on mortgage demand. And again, what we saw in the last 15 weeks is purchase application data was getting noticeably better if you knew how to read the data correctly and nobody cared about it because not many people know how to read that data. And look what's housing doing. Pending home sales are up. Existing home sales are up. And now let's see if the new home sales follow suit because housing permits and starts are coming. So we're ending the year off in a very good note. And again, the two things that drive housing, mortgage rates and demographics are there. So look for the look for more housing construction. I'm not, a, I, I've, I've got to my 1.5 million level. This has been a big long-term call for me in the previous expansion where we, uh, we were never gonna start housing starts at 1.5 million until years 2020 to 2024 because demand wouldn't warrant it. We're gonna get there uh, finally. So don't think of housing as a construction boob. But as long as monthly supply stays low on a three-month average below six and a half months, as long as mortgage rates low, we could slowly move forward with housing starts. Well, you know, all of this affects home prices, right? So tell us what you're looking for for 2022 home prices. So going into this five-year period of mine, I thought if we only get 23% cumulative home price growth, we'll be okay, right? Because wages rise every year and and rates are going to stay low. Unfortunately, you know, uh, uh, even though all these interviews I did early in the year, people should worry about home prices escalating, not crashing, right? The forbearance crash bros are some of the most untalented housing people ever in our history. They have no idea what they're talking about. And guess what happened? Home prices off of a 10% uh, gain in 2020 escalated even higher. So housing has limits. And the reason I talk about housing having limits is because there's no credit boom, right? Uh, But again, when inventory is this slow, prices can still rise, right? So I've targeted, I've given people targets to watch to when you actually get some uh, a noticeable uh, a cool down in housing. You need total inventory levels about 1.52 million to 1.93 million. We're not there, all right? So home prices are gonna still rise, but the rate of growth should cool. It's already cooling right now. Uh, um, Case Shiller lags a little bit. The rate of growth was so high, it cannot be sustained. So you have to work off of that equilibrium. That's why I wrote that article in April, you know, home prices should cool down, but the rate of growth of cooling down is still above what I'm comfortable with. So kind of in that 5.2 to 6.7%, how 2022, I'm hopeful the rate of growth cools down in there because uh, again, my concern has always been we have five years of double-digit home price growth just because the inventory channels will end. That is not a healthy market. That's not what we want. People want choices. The, the, the term is a B&B market. We want boring and balanced. That's going to be the sexy housing market we want. We don't want this kind of action because, again, it just makes the whole process of buying and selling homes a little bit difficult. And uh, hopefully something happens so where the inventory channels can rise. But again, it's not happening right now. You see the inventories seasonally falling, but they could fall to new levels. So rate of growth cools, but again, above what I'm comfortable with. And this will be year three now of that happening. I don't see boring and balanced anytime soon, which, you know, makes it fun for us to write about. But I know that it, it makes it a challenge for those 
in the industry. Well, let's talk a little bit. You know, you talked about the the Fed tapering just a tiny bit. Let's talk about the macroeconomics for a minute. Just like what's going on in the economy. Okay, and and this again, this is a very important discussion. As somebody who wrote the America's Back Recovery Model on April seventh, um, the U.S. was not going into recession then. Uh, household formation uh, economics is the lifeblood of any economy. The U.S. has this advantage over other countries. So the fact that we're outperforming shouldn't be a shouldn't be a surprise. But the economic rate of growth is very hot, cannot be sustained. Right, uh, we're going into a year where the Federal Reserve wants to cool the economy down. Right by raising interest rates, uh, world growth is still not running uh, as it should be, just because we were everyone's still dealing with variants. Um, but because of that, you have to you have to be mindful that mortgage rates and bond yields can go down if the Federal Reserve wants to cool down the economy. If the rate of growth of the economy is cooling down, and one thing about inflation is that. Uh, not a lot of people know, I understand, but typically the U.S. dollar makes its biggest percentage run right before the Fed rate hike. You see that in the data currently. It's not making that aggressive of a run uh, now because we're not there yet. But if that happens, typically world growth slows down, commodity prices get hit. All these variables going into 2022 does not scream higher mortgage rates and higher bond yields. Uh, so uh, if the 10-year yield goes below 1%, we're still in a very expansionary mode. And also the, the, the fiscal uh, uh, government spending plans right now are on, are on hold, but they've been watered down. When at first we're talking about $5 trillion, $3.5 trillion, $1.7 trillion. If you average that over 10 years with an economy of our size, it's not that big. So there's a lot of factors where we talk about rate of growth slowing. And that's one of the things I talked in, in the article, retail sales. Retail sales is on fire, right? Job openings, 11 million. Uh, jobless claims are at the lowest level since 19. There's all these, this is a really hot economy. And I don't think people have ever seen something like this. So trying to talk about data uh, is a little bit different and unique that the rate of growth cooling down doesn't mean something terrible is happening. It's just that growth cannot be sustained at a certain level. Uh, and retail sales cannot be sustained where it was. We're not going to get the growth that we saw in 2021. So things, when they cool down, don't panic. Don't go into the recession mode uh, discussion right away. But again, if this is the case, it's going to be really hard to have mortgage rates and bond yields really accelerate. And the 10-year yield has been screaming to everybody about this for a very long time, and people don't care to listen. So be mindful of that. Expansionary we have for myself again. I have recession models, just like expansion models. We'll go through it every single week, one day at a time, one day to rely at a time, and we'll explain this. But uh, uh, don't look for a, a rate of growth picking up compared to what we saw in uh, 2021. Usually, that rebound effect, especially with all the disaster relief, remember savings rates have fallen down, disposable income is is back on trend. These things are normal. All things fall back to a proper trend. You know, that whole moderation in the, in the housing data, we talked about it toward the end of 2020. Housing data will moderate. Don't overreact. People overreacted to it. It found a base. It moved up higher. It looks perfectly normal. Similar kind of to what the economy is. We'll, we'll, we'll find that kind of normal trend and move along with it with all the economic data that uh, we go over here at Housing Wire. You know, I know that you, um, and you you mentioned April 7th. That was April 7th of 2020. Uh, mind you. So, so that was a pretty amazing call with the America's back model. Uh, a lot of these things you have predicted and, and they're, they're continuing from 2021. Is there anything that surprised you? If you were looking at this time last year, if you, if you knew where we were this time this year, is anything surprising? 
the spending on durable goods uh, uh, is, is, I mean, retail sales is just completely uh, off the charts. Um, uh, and uh, even for myself, even for somebody like me, who was the, probably the most bullish person, especially just because of the household formation, the spending that Americans are doing uh, during uh, the uh, 2021 period uh, shocked me. Uh, and, and I just don't think that can be sustained. I think also people have to remember that uh, in, in 2018 and 19, the whole trade war tap dance, you know, the domestic investment that companies make, we had no domestic investment actually in the last year uh, in 2019 uh, before COVID hit because there were, the trade war uh, was, was on people's mind. There's going to be some definitely CapEx or domestic spending for companies to to open up and to make sure that supply chains and everything's going to be running normal. That's a benefit. That that didn't surprise me, but the consumption on retail sales, especially on the durable goods, is still like to me, it's one of the more shocking things. And you know, I put that chart in the in the uh, forecast article. You can see the deviation in there. Now, I don't think it can be sustained. I think durable goods spending goes down, services pick up, but the rate of growth, remember, rate of growth will cool because that was one of the more phenomenal uh, uh, data lines I, I've ever seen in my career. Well, we can't we can't uh, talk about a forecast without talking about jobs. Um, you know, you you're kind of famous for your uh, jolts ten million, uh, but now we've revised that up. So so tell us about jobs. Here's the interesting aspect. Um, out of all the data lines to get back to pre-COVID, uh, I, I didn't think we could get. The jobs data back uh, there until September of 2022, and I, I and I understand the people that were probably maybe a little bit more bullish than I was. There's a lot of things that are still going on in this world that just aren't uh, functioning well, and uh, the jobs data is typically a lagging. Uh, usually, uh, there's a bunch of other economic data lines that recover first. The, the America's back recovery model uh, explains that. The interesting aspect is that I I targeted September of 2022. Uh, for all the jobs to come back. Uh, and I do think we're going to get big job revisions on the positive side uh, uh, on last year's or this year's data. So we have a pathway to get there because why? Job openings are at 11 million. Job openings for manufacturing jobs are at all-time highs. Construction jobs are picking up. So they're there. But the labor force is much different now. And this is why I've always said, you want to stay away from anybody who talks about labor force participation rates. That is the number one rule of bad economic takes. Uh, Job openings are real. There were 7 million before COVID hit. Baby boomers are aging out. They're moving on. Death and aging are very powerful economic forces. So the labor market will be healthy. Once all this drama with variants and COVID goes away, we have a free, free thing, free moving to that level. And because of Omicron or Delta, things slow down a little bit on that front. You know, uh, restaurants might close down, stuff like that. But eventually you'll get back there. And the question is, do we get all the jobs back? Because this is much different than the previous expansion. We job openings were about a little bit over 2 million uh, at the worst levels or the early stages of the recovery back then. We're at 11 million now. Uh, jobless claims are at the lowest level since 1969. The economy recovered so fast that I already raised one of my recession flags because it's a more mature uh, uh, phase. So job openings are there, looks looks normal to me. Jobless claims are low, rates are low. The economy's in expansion mode. It's a good pathway to get all the jobs back. But again, we're dealing with things that are non-economic, 
It doesn't crash the economy, right? Surge two, three, four, and five, and now with Omicron, uh, we've learned to consume goods and services as a country with an active virus infecting and killing us. That's that was that's been a big theme of mine since since uh, 2020. But does this slow things down to prevent us from getting all the jobs back in 20, September of 2022? Because it's there. We, labor is needed. There's parts of the U.S. that don't have much prime age labor force growth. So when their uh, elderly workforce retires or moves away, they don't have that many young people coming in and replacing them. But there are young people around. The U.S. has a young replacement workforce, but they're not evenly distributed so their labor force is there job market has ways to go we're going to have of course in every year we're going to have two or three bad job reports don't put too much weight into that look in the trend and realize that's that some of these uh, uh variant effects slow down some things on a one or two month basis but then things pick up again well logan i've listened to you long enough to know the trend is your friend right that's what that's one of your catchphrases so we'll keep looking for that Great economic forecast, housing forecast um, out today on HousingWire. Thanks for sharing it here, but I know you go into a lot more detail and the backstory of all of um, the different points that you do in your articles. So people can go there for more information and we will see you back here again next week, same time. Sounds great. Merry Christmas, everyone. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, The Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing HousingWire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Elsina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to HousingWire Daily. I hope you have a great afternoon. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on all the hottest stories crossing our news desk daily. The podcast is now available wherever you like to listen. Make sure to tune in tomorrow.